Well, as we close out the month of June and obviously the second quarter, we see the US dollar finding its form. The Australian dollar's in a sharp drawdown and we see equity bears frustrated as pullbacks are supported. We're finding gold grinding lower, but we gear up for what could be, and hopefully, a fairly lively July. We assess it all in the trade-off. Well, hi there. My name is Chris Weston from Pepperstone. I'm going to be joined by, for the first time actually, I've been on the show with uh, my good friend Quasar, uh, and we're going to be discussing all the factors that are going on in this crazy world of global financial markets, all the views, the setups, and all the flows that we've got on our radar at the moment, and hopefully you have too. So I'm going to go straight into it. Mr. Quasar, how are you over there in Las Vegas? Hi, Chris. I should say hi there, boss. Um, pretty good, pretty good. I'm very, very happy to be here for what is now the third consecutive time that I get to be on the main stage, the big stage, how I like to how I like to say it. And I actually wanted to take a little bit extra time to say that this is one of those times where you're like, wow, this is finally happening. It's, as you mentioned, it, uh, the first time that I get to share the, the, the screen with you. And it's a total honor for myself. Um, oh. <laughs> now, the honor's mine. The honor's mine. I wish you were doing it from the strip, though. That would have been much better. Oh, I think the Hacienda looks pretty cool. But yeah, the strip will be another nice background to have, right? <laughs> uh, good, mate. I'm, I'm, probably I'm very crazy. I'm, I'm keen to pick your brain today and, and share a few views. So let's go straight into it. Let's go into Topical Thunder. Right, I'm going to hit up with sentiment. Oh, I like sentiment. Well, I've been out. I've been out of the market. Well, I've been off the show for a couple of weeks, so it's uh, it's a good place to start. I mean, if we have a look at the VIX, what we're pushing 14 percent. You know, we can look at implied vol in in FX markets, and you know, dollar yen uh, one month implied vol is at the six percentile. Despite these calls of in- intervention, I think that screams. Um, you know, we're seeing you know fairly subdued moves, very tight ranges coming through in the bond market as well. And uh, you know, look, if you've seen the equity market that's been buoyed up. On really, there's been quite a junk rally. I know there's been a lot of involvement in a market cap perspective from, um, you know, the AI stocks. But you know, if short interest stocks have been working well, SPAC IPO baskets have been working well. You know, the the, the sort of no earnings or the low EBIT, uh, you know, low EBIT relative to the interest component have, have done well. So there's been, um, yeah, it's been good risk taking of late Quasar, and and you know, sentiment seems to be pretty boyish as we go into month and quarter end. How are you reading this? It's been a very tough tough one to me to be, to to properly read it, Chris. I'm gonna say it. Um, I've always I've been struggling so much over these last couple of months trying to witness or witnessing how risk has been on moved on. Basically, as you mentioned, at Biggs, we uh, last time that I was taking a close look to it, we we primarily broke to downside from a formation. I know that you. Uh, there's a couple of fellas that don't really like technicals in the volatility index, but primarily broke from that ascending trajectory, if you will, and now it's sitting at very low levels, and that has, in some sort of way, you know, uh, supporting, if you will, the the risk dynamic that we haven't seen. I personally have had a very uh, difficult time buying into this dynamic, um, but yeah, definitely, there's been some factors that have been pushing risk on you mentioned it right there hey i has been one of the primary ones that has been dri- dri- driving the market and yeah it's personally it's been a very been a very difficult one to yeah. assess just because there's factors to me that tell me hey i think we should be a little bit cautious but then at the same time like volatility you know risk aversion is not there and we have 
equities just well, it's pushing. In, it's interesting I think as we go, I think we, when we get the refresh, once we get the the start of the the, the new month, maybe you know, some of these month and flows have dissipated. But I think it's it's interesting because you know buyers are supporting risk, and I think part of that is down to the fact that the U.S. data is so resilient. I know we've got a bit of fragility in in Chinese and European data, um, but I think if we were to see U.S. data really sort of drop off a cliff, and there's no guarantee that's going to happen, but if if that was happening, I think we'd see much higher volatility. But as it is, you know, it's sort of just muddling along reasonably okay with this sort of growth for the next quarter somewhere like one and a half two percent maybe um so i think that that's a really big component the other issue of course is that yeah central bank balance sheets look like they're about to contract quite sharply uh, liquidity should be coming out of the market we're watching reserves very closely and maybe that's something that the, the bears will hang their hats on but for now um yeah pullbacks are nicely supported and and and, and yeah it still feels like the pain trade in equity markets is to the upside i think I agree. Yeah, maybe liquidity could be that factor that you know starts puncturing the the armor of the bulls. Uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> tough one, tough one to to assess. That uh, after having mentioned all that, let's now go to the monetary policy because I mean we basically had three weeks where one after another one we were seeing central banks coming up to to take their own uh, monetary policy decisions. And to me, and I want to ask you, I know that you were off for a couple of weeks, but I wanted to pick your brain on this situation because what I got to observe was a bunch of central banks that were going, wow, we actually need to do more. Some of them surprising, some of them not surprising with higher interest or rate hikes than, than expected, but, you know, pushing on a harder rhetoric with regards to how much further they have to go or how, over how long they're going to stay in a tight yeah. in a tight position. How do you assess what we went through over these last couple of weeks? I, I think the, um, the, the obviously the, the big one there is that the PBOC, um, you know, they've cut reserves, you know, they've cut the, the, the prime rates, Probably underwhelming on the five-year cut there, um, and you know we've so we've seen a lot of fiscal measures from the government as well. But I think as we go into the July Politburo, uh, I think that's going to be where where the rubber needs to meet the road, and they're, they're going to have to deliver on fiscal. But um, certainly some of the cuts we've seen from the PBOC have been there, and we've seen dollar CNH, which I think is probably one of the most important FX crosses moving higher. But where are we now? I think it's probably the, the interesting thing now because we've seen yeah you know, we've seen a lot of them speaking, a lot of central bankers speaking at Centra, the ECB forum. That, I mean. Um, the next Fed meeting is on the 26th of July. We've got, what, 21 basis points being priced for that meeting. So it's a hike is pretty much a done deal, although we've still got to get through the payrolls number on the 7th of July and then the CPI number on the 12th of July, and that, that could influence that pricing. Um, but it seems like we're pretty much one and done there, and, and the Fed are going to on a pause. We've got the RBA meeting next week. The market's pricing in 10 basis points. So it's, that's, that's going to be pretty lively there, and, and you've got a terminal price of about 4.45 being priced into swaps. The UK, well, you know, obviously there's been a lot of focus when I was in the UK on, on the mortgage market and, uh, you know, households and that their ability to absorb, you know, bank rates going higher. And we've got 42 basis points being priced in for the next Bank of England meeting. What's that on the, the 3rd of August? So, yeah, the market's expecting a thoroughly a 50 basis point hike and, and, the, and the bank rate to get to about 610, 612. Um, and in, and in Europe as well, I think that's an interesting one because we've got you want 20 basis points. I mean, it's a shoo-in pretty much that we're going to get a rate hike there and, and terminal now, uh, yeah, priced up into about 385 or so. So, yeah, that's where we are in terms of policy. I mean, which central bank quickly, have you got your eye on? 
One of the things that uh, I actually wanted to bring into to this topic was the divergence. I mean, one of the things that you were mentioning to me the other day sure. is like how actually emerging markets that are already jumping into a different route. Like when we are having DM still trying to be aggressive, trying to keep the line on we have stuff, we have uh, a job still to do, we are seeing emerging markets and that could change quite a lot of things. And I think it's going to be a very interesting space yeah. down the road. Quick one. I just want to move on to Bank Bank Japan intervention. I want to put your brains about Mexico. I know you live in Vegas, and and um, you know you, you follow the the Latam markets very closely. Um, when did the Mexican Central Bank, the Banxico, uh, when did they cut rates? Apparently, what it's expected is going to be towards the end of this year. There's been some debate with for it to be either November, December, but yeah, we are already in a discussion of not are we going to go harder when are we going to start cutting rates that's kind of like what what the main topic is going to be it's interesting i'm going to go back to emerging markets and certainly some of the latam central banks were were, were far quicker to move and and, and started yeah. their rate hiker cycle far quicker than dm central banks and it looks like they're on the way down so that's uh you know we're not expecting the fed to cut anytime soon but you know they lead the charge and i think they're they're your front runners really and yeah let's go into the bank of japan intervention because this is a, a really really interesting tactical case that we've got we got dollar yen now trading at that time of speaking 144.33. Um, Oida was uh, speaking at Sintra and he's you know, he's talked down inflation risks and that's given you know the carry junkies a bit more of a sort of ammunition. I mean it's just an absolutely outrageous carry momentum trade at the moment that's going through in dollar yen and and you know obviously short yen across the crosses. But now we've seen you know uh, Kanda, who's the the, the chief currency uh, boss effectively in Japan. Um, saying that he's watching currency markets very closely. They are jawboning now. This is the first stage that we've been seeing. And we have to take that that threat of intervention credible. I mean, they, they did it in September and October, and they caused a 500 pip rip to the downside. Um, I think if we get above 145, Quasar, um, that's the line in the sand. I know oil prices are a bit lower, and there's there's different thematics than, than what we saw in, in, in late last year. Um, but I think above 145, we're going to see headlines that they're checking rates that's that's the point that we are we are on absolute intervention watch and it could happen anytime soon and, and then those yen, the end shorts will effectively be put on notice we're going to see liquidity dry up so 145 is the line in the sand for me and, and i wouldn't want to be necessarily too short yen um as a carry uh, position as a funder if we are going to see uh, above 145 i think that's going to give, give us some, some some opportunities how are you how are you reading that that situation from over in america for me, it's one that just screams for be cautious, be cautious. Yeah, as you mentioned, there's good carry to be taking there. But at the same time, you can be caught in a dynamic that you don't want to be on. And it's just a matter of actually being a little bit more exposed to the currency and, you know, taking unnecessary risk because you can be actually getting if you are into carry. Probably there's going to be other spaces. I mean, we just talked about it. EM might be one where you can actually get to have that carry without putting yourself in a possible fire line. I think you definitely don't want to be caught in the middle of some central bank trying to protect their currency or any of those dynamics. I think that's just one that be very cautious. If you are into, hey, carry is my trade, maybe there's some other space for you to actually take benefit of that. Not well, I think so. I think, I mean, yeah. The, the, the interesting one here, Quasar, is if we get above 145, we start hearing those. They're checking rates. I mean, tactically for me, I don't want to. I don't want to be on a rip that's that's going to go 500 pips lower. Um, you know, they come out and you know do 
yeah, billions of dollars of, 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 of yeah, yen buybacks. But what would be an interesting one, if you go back to and study the case study we saw in September of last year, where they, they, yeah, they bought, I can't remember the exact amount, but it was about 28 billion yen or so. Um, you know, you saw it rip 500 pips and then it just came straight back. And, and I expect that to happen this time around. I mean, the carry position's not changed. The Fed are still raising rates. You've got great you know, um, forward rates are just you know, very compelling for, for carry traders. And the, and the Bank of Japan, until they are serious about moving on, on YCC, um, people will just buy the rip. You know, people, you're going to see a 500 pip to, to the downside and people will just sit there and go, bang. But, of course, you've got to be quick. And, jump and, in. and, and <laughs> you're fighting against machines, I think, in that situation. There's one of the, um, if I remember correctly, one of the terms that you use, trade like a ninja, correct? I have not got did, to, so said that to hear times. myself. <laughs> I guess this is one of those times where you just got to well, be very nimble. You know, you're up against machines. I think 145, yeah, you're really facing intervention risk. It's time when Japan have just been taken off the FX uh, you know, um, review by the, bank, uh, by, the, by the Americans. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. All right. Well, let's jump into the last topic we have for the macro uh, perspectives. And this takes us to inflation. I think one of the things that we have seen recently, Chris, has been, yes, we have seen inflation coming down, but that mainly has been on the headline front, on the underlying or on the core front. What we have seen is basically inflation just is totally staying at a high level around two two to three times what it's desired for majority of the developed uh, central banks developed market central banks do you think that we are heading this friday once again to another trend where we see core inflation being stubbornly high and that it could have a, a significant impact in the markets um yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question because I mean, this is obviously the event risk of the week now. Um, and look, if you, if you look at what's expected, headline PCE is expected to come down to 3.8 from 4.4%. And yeah, that's going in the right direction. Fantastic. But it's the core numbers that the central bankers are watching. And as you rightly point out, yeah, that's been frustratingly slow in terms of coming down. And actually, the expectations are for this to, to remain at 4.7%. Now, the interesting thing here, if you have a look at the Fed's... Um, uh, SEPs, the, the statement of um, projections, effectively economic mm -hmm. projections they put out in June, they believe the central case is that we see core PCE getting down to three point nine percent by year by the end of the year. So, yeah, anything that that makes us believe that 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 call is too is too punchy and actually it's not going to get down to there. And remember that that for, to get to three point nine percent, the the base case is that we're going to get. Um, yeah, the Fed funds up to 5.6%, so another 50 basis points of hikes, which is something Powell alluded to in, at Sintra. Um, so anything that doesn't get us to that point is going to be a concern. So I think the market would dearly love to see core PCE well below 4.7%. The consensus is it stays at 4.7%. Mm -hmm. So I think the concern for me, Quasar, um, is if um, is if that, that core PC number was actually – if we've got a situation where it actually increased – Imagine that situation when when everyone's and the Fed for PC to go down. So if we were to get it higher, I think that could that could cause some some ripples through markets. That will definitely cause some damage in the markets. And I think that with regards to where or how the progress is being done, 
let's just remember that we were told before, and I mean, we of course got to take the, the perspectives from central banks with a grain of sand. I think just as everyone, we they all have got inflation in some sort of way wrong, but it was told that it's not going to be the coming down from eight or seven to five. It's going to be that range from going from four to two percent that it's actually going to be the hardest part to to actually achieve. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think the probability is is it. Yeah, I'd like to see it below four point seven, like everyone else. But um, well, unless you're long dollars, that is. Um, but we'll have to <laughs> see. I mean, the, the interesting thing here is is if you go and look at front end yields, two year yields are what trading four seventy. Um, yeah, that the highs of the recent range about 479. So if we get a big number there, then you're going to go and test that 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 highs, and of course that's going to push the dollar up. That's going to push gold down, um, you know, which is doesn't really need a, a sort of a grind into 1900 at the moment. And you've got real rates on fives at 184 at the moment, and that's trading top end of the range. So I think yeah, if you get a big PCE number, you're going to get some of these the, the bond market testing its recent range highs and. Yeah, the US dollar bulls are going to lap that up every day of the week. So it's an interesting. There's one. a very interesting technical setup with bonds, but yeah. Well, let's go. We'll, let's we'll, go we'll, we won't let's touch go, them. Let's go to the setup. <laughs> let's go to that's the setup. Yeah. Right, I'm going to bring up. Uh, actually, it's not, it's not really a technical setup. So apologies for uh, all the technical heads out there. But uh, if you bring up the NASDAQ chart, what I've got is actually, I mean, there's a, there's a few um, few people out there who, who have been very much involved in the seasonals. Um, and so I thought this was a really interesting one. And, and, and if you're into seasonals, you'd probably like this one as well. Um, it's the performance of the NASDAQ through, um, uh, through uh, July. And as you can see in that column, which is right in the middle, which is a, a gentle sea of green, um, you can see that the, 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 well, over the last 15 years, which is a decent sample size, I reckon, um, yeah, uh, the Nasdaq has rallied every single month by an average of 4.6%. Now, is that time going to happen again? I mean, that's that's the question we've got to ask. So the market has rallied for 15 consecutive Julys. Um, the the, the S&P has done pretty well. I think we've rallied 12 out of 15, and the, and the pullbacks with those three years have, uh, have been pretty, pretty, pretty mild. Actually, in Australia, we've done 12 of 15, and, and July is arguably the best month seasonally to be long but it's the nasdaq which screams out so the question i'm asking you quasar with the nasdaq technically is still yeah looking like it <laughs> wants to take those highs out in my opinion um this time is it different or is it or is uh, history going to repeat and rhyme oh boy chris you got me on that one just because over the literally for the last what five months have been a. uh, uh Risenberg. Um, now, here's the situation with regards to seasonality. Not just because something happened in the past. Hey, we all throw that risk disclaimer, right? Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Nonetheless, I mean, it's a very good indicative. So I think uh, it's one of those that, hey, I'm personally not really wanting to take a risk, but look at the price action. And I think this is one of price action. The trend is your friend. And if it keeps on pushing, we'll just... Get away! Get well, aside! Don't get in front of the train. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, we've got um, we've got to remember that uh, yeah, the, the the difference now between past cycles over the last fifteen years is that the Fed are yeah doing ninety five billion dollars of, of QT as, as opposed to QE, and um, yeah, we've got the Fed funds pushing the highest level since two thousand and seven, and we'll probably break that level pretty soon. Um, so we're not in zero interest rate policy anymore. Um, and the Fed, the, Fed, well, the Fed puts out the market at the moment as well. So, you know, the strike price is much lower than where it's been over the last 15 years. But 
that said, the sample size is still enough to make me think that there's something in there other than just you know, central bank dynamics of the Fed put. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's definitely an interesting one. Hundred percent agree. Um, let's go now to oil because I think this is a setup, technical setup that we definitely have to keep an eye on. Um, if there it is, the one that we were waiting for. I mean, as you can see, there's been a very defined range in which oil has been trading so far. Seems that sixty-seven has kept on, you know, that that support, and I think. On one side, of course, you're going to have like, all right, we're having higher interest rates that at some point is actually going to jeopardize economic development. And we're going to start seeing the, the usual dynamic. Now, when we are seeing economic growth slowing, where you're going to well, need less ener energy um, uh, commodities. On the other side, you have the one just like what we saw previously yesterday, three different economic data points on the US literally outperforming significantly. And I'm not talking about better than the last month. No, we saw prints that were the highest in over a year. We saw new houses, we saw durable woods. Um, and the other one, um, nonetheless, I mean, it seems that there's a case that actually may, we might not be actually going into that slowing dynamic that a lot of people could be thinking. I mean, I'm personally one of those, right? Where we, uh, well, I mean, interest rates at some point are going to break something. And if you're going to even push higher, that's that's been my thesis, right? Something's got to break. But I mean, seems like the economic, the economy is holding better than. It, it's, I think it's in the US. I think China's still a big one there for the oil market. But, you know, I think the other one is, is that, that, that the travel season now is, is, is beefing up in America. I think, you know, you need to get in your car and drive around, um, use some of that oil up. Um, but, but so that, that's been a statistic. We, we also saw a massive drawdown in, in the inventory reports coming out overnight and or your, your time yesterday. And I think that that's helped support that. But yeah, it looks like, I mean, this the way that I'd be looking at this right now is, is that that line of support level. I mean, it's just as buyers stepping in every time we get down there and, and, and we see some decent rips. So if that gives way, um, that could be very, very telling indeed. Certainly OPEC would not like that one little bit and they could be making a lot of headlines. But that, that, that line in the sand we're seeing at 67 bucks into, into sort of 66. If that gives way, I think everyone should have it on their radar because I think that could be very, very telling indeed. Um, with that, I'm going to go. Let's let's switch over, mate. I mean, let's go to the FX markets. I want to have a look at Euro Dollar. Uh, sorry, Euro Aussie, because I'm looking at ways to play the uh, the Australian dollar. Now we are saying this before retail sales numbers comes out and, and job vacancies. But what I like about this is one on one hand, you, you obviously the, the ECB continue to bang this drum about um, you know raising rates. Um, we just saw a, a, the monthly CPI number, which is obviously buoyed up by. Um, very volatile prints, but uh, you know that that came in uh, below consensus, and that sort of sees us downside risks as we go into Q2 CPI next month. Um, but look, technically, it's 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 now just breaking out above that um, that swing high that we saw in early June. Um, it's been up for you know, how many days? Crikey! I mean, it's up like eight nine days in a row. So you know, the elastic band is definitely getting pulled. Um, but the mark, the balls are firmly in control of this one, and, and until the price action closes below that five-day exponential moving average, I mean, yeah, this is this. Yeah, people are just going to be buying pullbacks in this one. Um, so I, I think just looking at ways to express Aussie weakness at the moment, and Aussie is probably one of the weaker currencies. Um, Euro Aussie looks pretty good at here. What do you think? 
I personally love it from a technical standpoint. I mean, when you get to see it from the big, the big picture, like you have a structure where you're seeing higher highs, higher lows, and we, as you mentioned, we're just making a, a within the correction phase within this big structure. We're pushing like so. I think it's just like you gotta follow it. And the good thing about this one is that you have very clear levels where to enter, where to mark your, you know. I made a mistake on this one and just to take it. So I personally love it from a technical standpoint. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, I mean, I like it from a, I know Europe's got its woes and, and lots of people disagree on, on, on where the euro is going personally, but um, you know, it's going up, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's for me, like, I, if I was long, I'd stay long. Um, I'm not sure I'd necessarily be buying it right now because you know, it is just, overextended and go for 10 yeah have a, look at, have a look at the daily um as your sort of central overview and and every time that the pullbacks come down into that five-day exponential it just gets supported and buyers step in so until that dynamic changes i think yeah there's probably some upside risk into 167 but it's hard to buy right now and i'd imagine a lot of retail traders would be shorting this one just because it has rallied for so many consecutive days yeah but i mean just as you saw it with july for the nasdaq Hey, it's been up for 12. It goes for how many was it? 15, you said, right? Oh, I'll come in 15 days. Yeah. Yeah. So it can keep going. I'll just say that. Um, but yeah, let's go to the equity market once again. And I mean, what could I say about this one? I mean, you probably all know in the English speaking audience, the Spanish speaking audience for sure knows that I've been <laughs> not too excited about risk on. But I mean, when we get to look at the Evex, the Spanish uh, index, it's forming one of those bullish formations. It's an ascending triangle. And I mean, I think this is just one where just wait for that clear breakout. And if that's the case, put your personal beliefs, put your perspectives aside and just follow the price. If that's what it's actually happening in the markets, hey, just put it aside, as I mentioned, and yeah. go with it. Go with it and just follow. It's the an interesting price. one, isn't it? The um, if you look at the daily chart of the Spanish IBEX, and um, it's probably one of the strongest um, European markets out there at the moment. Um, obviously, for yeah, this is priced in euros. So there's a, the, if you if you if you're trading this from Australia or Europe or um, from from the UK or from the US, yeah, you need to be aware that that yeah, what happens with this market is also like a function of what's happening in the euro. But it looks strong. It's, it looks one of the strongest European markets by by some way. Um, and I think, that, yeah, we're going to probably see a lot of scalpers up into it, into 95.33. I think that's kind of, yeah, big, big resistance levels there as well. So that's one for your radar. But if this breaks out, um, you know, as a, as, a, as a sort of a momentum trader and, and a trend trader, yeah, you buy breakouts. That's, that's what you do. I mean, a lot of them fail, of course. Um, but you never know. And that's why you have fairly low success rate, r r rates within you know, momentum strategies is because, yeah, so many of these breakouts fail. But when you do mm -hmm. hold that breakout, you want to just keep riding it because that's where you're going. It's, it's all about the risk or the reward to risk with breakout strategies because so many of them do fail. You need to hold and continue holding. So this is one that has to be on the radar because if it breaks out, they're in blue sky territory. And if it does trend um, going forward, you need to be involved in that. So glad you brought this trade, uh, this chart up, uh, Quasar, because it's 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 just a really nice looking chart, and if it breaks out, yeah, I'm going for that. I'm I'm long, and I'm yeah, I'm going to trail the stop loss. Hopefully, that's that's the kind of situation. Anyway, with that, with that in mind, let's go to our play of the day and see what's uh, making noise here.
I'm just looking down, just bringing up my chart now. Um, I want to. I want to be. I want to be looking at um, uh, shorts uh, cable positions. Um, I know that there's been a bit of news overnight, which probably isn't as, as, as dramatic as it sounds with the, the, the talk of a, a temporary nationalisation of, of Thames Water, the UK's biggest water company there. I mean, I think people are looking at that and saying, well, there's structural issues anyway, high debt, high capex costs um, and, and, and various factors. So, yeah, this nationalisation, if it happens, is, is probably likely and it shouldn't surprise. But, yeah, look at the technicals now. Uh, we've nearly It wasn't quite a bearish outside day reversal. It didn't make a new high, but it's, it's, it's there and thereabouts. Um, we do have support coming down into 125.45, which is the uh, yeah, horizontal resistance level, trend resistance, also the 50-day moving average. So there's a bit of wood to chop down there if it gets down there. Um, but I think now in the UK, fundamentally, like yeah, I was over there, and all the noise is really about how we absorb a bank rate at 620 around those kind of levels. What does that mean for you know, the, the, the rental market and also for the mortgage market um, and the households and the stress we're seeing there? So there's a lot of fear going through in that. Um, and I think that the pound is, is, is morphing from um, really a carry currency into, into, into one which is going to be relative growth. So if, if we do see growth data coming out and, and being affected by what we're seeing in the news flow, you know, the pound's got good downside risk, to be honest. Um, I think, yeah, cable's the way to do that. So I, I like the downside, but I acknowledge that that, that, that support level of 125.45 uh, could be a bit of a chop. If we break through there, then I think we're going to see a trending market and, and cable going down quite nicely. I think there's good downside risk for cable here. Like on my end, I'm gonna go to the commodity space and I pick gold for this weekly play of the day. Um, mainly, primarily from a very technical perspective, why do I see this happening? We have a confluence of support levels on one end, we have the psychological level of 1900. On the other side, we have the trend, the downside trend line coming from the highs of last year. On top of that, we have the Fibonacci retracement of 38, uh, Fibonacci retracement from the 38, 38% from the lows of last year to the highs of, of this year. Hence, we have a bunch of support levels coming into play there. Why do I name it tactical? Because I will just go there for a short bump to the upside. Why I'm not committing to gold for a longer perspective, if central banks indeed are going to keep on pushing rates to the upside, and if that's the case and we see bonds, bond yields going high, I, I, I struggle seeing gold having you know the wings to fly in that environment. So I, I just think that that's going to be a very in and out type of thing. Just make some bucks, get out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if you're looking at gold, the biggest, from a fundamental perspective now, looking at the correlations, it's actually the five-year US Treasury, which has the strongest inverse relationship. It seems to more, move move it more, more than, you know, two's real rates and, and, and the Dixie as well. So that's that's one, if you're trading gold, that's one on your radar. I think we go down to 1900. Um, but, you know, further out the year, I'm going to be certainly looking at, you know, uh, being very much overweight gold. I think, yeah, that's the recession hedge. Um, there will be a time when that data slows and, and people start buying gold quite aggressively, but it's not now. Um, anyway, I think Quasar, fantastic job, mate. Well done. Thank you very much for being on the show today. Um, I hope it all goes well over in, in America for you. And then you guys at home, uh, thank you for, for watching. If you stayed on, we really appreciate it. Smash that like button. Uh, and obviously, if you've got a question for Quasar or myself, um, please feel free to, to do that and we'll, we'll get to those questions as soon as we can. Thank you very much. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys next week for more of the trade-off. Thank you, boss. Have a good one.